Welcome back to the Rob Maynard Show on Red Voice Media Network, uh, the newest streaming television network, and man, we've got it all. If you didn't watch the sharp response uh, with his guest, Willie Montague, just before the show here, go back and check the tape uh, or the rebroadcast tonight when it comes into the second half of the day because it was a phenomenal show. Matt Couch's show before that uh, was fantastic, honoring the fallen uh uh, and Chad Caton, uh, I'm fired up, uh, uh, gave us a very, uh, very emotion-filled uh, uh, honoring of the fallen here on Memorial Day. It is Memorial Day, and now's the time for me to tell you why the show on Mondays is titled Welcome Back to More War Mondays. I chose this day for this theme show because it's my intention to not have to create more Americans that need to be honored on Memorial Day for their ultimate sacrifice in wars that the United States shouldn't be fighting. Shouldn't be fighting. There are some wars that we have had to get into. There are some times we've had to come to our own defense, such as the initial part of Afghanistan. But for the most part, the last 25 years has been just despicable with the United States leading its foreign policy and national security policy with combat forces engaged in wars that we have no business being in. America is not designed to be a military empire. It's designed to be the shining city on the hill, a beacon to democratic republics and liberty-loving human beings all around the world. That's what we the American people stand for, and that's what our government should be doing, protecting our liberty and conducting its policy from an America first perspective instead of this globalist attempt to be some kind of a Roman praetorian guard and going after every country that it just doesn't like and not going after countries that it likes. That's baloney. Well, we're going to end it. Today's show is, what if U.S. artificial intelligence is used in the Ukraine war? My goodness, folks, uh, uh, our guest today is going to take us through what he thinks about what's going on with artificial intelligence from a military perspective, but this is very daunting. You know, a quick update on the U- Russia-Ukraine war. It took a twist last week with several cross-border raids in the Belgorod area by the Ukraine army, uh, supported by, you know, Russian expat militia units were being supported using tanks, armored personnel carriers, and allegedly Ukraine armed forces helicopters. We haven't been able to confirm that yet. Uh, But just the last 48 hours, the Ukrainian artillery continues to shell targets in the area. And we're hearing reports from people on the ground, uh, not military people from Russia, but citizens, uh, uh, as, as is capable of doing now, Uh, showing video that the Ukrainians are striking civilian targets all over the place that have no military value. There's a big difference between hitting an apartment building that might have an anti-aircraft gun sitting on top of it and striking an apartment building that has no military target value. Big difference. We've got to stop that. And, of course, the vaunted Ukrainian counteroffensive, and I say that using sarcasm, is supposed to be starting But in reality, the Russian air forces have struck targets nationwide across Ukraine every night this week, admitted by the Ukrainian armed forces it's in larger numbers of targets than ever before in this war. Also, unfortunately, and 
Quite interestingly, Russia has reportedly transferred nuclear weapons to Belarus, as they said they would do if they were challenged from a nuclear power. And guess who's challenging them? NATO and the United States of America. Uh, Even though we call it a proxy war, the Russians are seeing more and more of it as a direct war against them. Uh, Even though it's Ukraine as the proxy, we are too closely involved and too invested in this conflict. But a big question that's come recently is in civilian circles, uh, and that's about new developments in artificial intelligence. I mean, I mean, even Elon Musk has said we need to slow this down. Uh, but now we're hearing about possible USAI use by the Ukraine armed forces and how that might change the nature of this war, both tactically and strategically. And that's what we want to talk about today. We will honor our, our troops, uh, 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 the fallen of America at the end of the show uh, more explicitly, but this whole show is dedicated to not creating more fallen Americans and destroyed families due to unnecessary combat. Instead, we must sue for peace and achieve peace without military force, if at all possible. Of course, we will fight for peace, but we're not going to surrender for it either. Well, my guest today is uh, a great guy. I've had him on the show before, Mr. Alex Phillips. He is a uh, businessman. He's an author. And you know what? He's a concerned citizen, but he's been doing a lot of writing about artificial intelligence in the military. And I asked him to come on the show this day on Memorial Day. So he's taking the time out of his busy schedule and his holiday to join me in this effort to get the word out and to maybe have some influence on those that have power uh, in this country and in NATO uh, and in Russia and in Ukraine, uh, that we need to end this war and stop killing hundreds of thousands of people. Alex, welcome to The Rob Manus Show. How are you, my friend? I just came back from uh, Washington, D.C., where I was uh, celebrating uh, both a birthday uh, with a good friend of mine and um, Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. I got to see all the um, the folks, um, maybe basically you know visiting all the memorials, um, you know, and it was very somber. It's very sad, and you know to think about, you know, what the, our government and other governments are doing today, it just makes me think <clears throat> that we really need to you know take a moment and think about what what's going on. This is not a not the same situation. I know there was a lot of controversy that President Trump during the town hall didn't say whether he wanted Ukraine to win or not. And, you know, I think people don't realize this is not a football game anymore. You know, there, there might have been winners and losers in the past wars, but I think today, you know, it's just really all a bunch of losers. We're just all, you know, dying. And uh, I think the media is at fault for not reporting, you know, a lot of the stuff that's going on. But, you know, this situation with AI today, people are talking about it like, you know, it's just, it's like both a scary thing and it's also a very exciting thing. And so there's a lot of potential yeah. good. There's also a lot of potential bad. Um, when it comes to the military, you know, people don't realize that this AI isn't really new. The military has been using AI since the 80s. Maybe it's not the same AI as today. And what they were doing back then um, didn't seem quite as frightening. But, you know, things like uh, missiles that have uh, targeting capabilities that, you know, you launch them 
cruise missiles. Um, they got cameras on them. You know, they used some type of artificial intelligence to be able to navigate terrain, which is like, you know, a person looking around yep. and saying, right. okay, I see that mountain. I see that mountain. I know where I am and doing that on yep. the fly. And so that's the kind of stuff that, you know, that's been going on. Also, you know, just planning and, you know, kind of simulating what if scenarios, you know, these things have been going on, um, you know, even in the, in the 90s, you know, they started uh, data mining uh, and, and trying to understand how they could make, you know, munitions more yep. accurate, which is a good thing, I guess, you know, when we talk about war, because you don't want to hit the right thing and not the wrong thing, right? Well, absolutely right, Alex. And uh, you, you took my, th you stole my thunder about the previous use of AI because, you know, I retired in late 2011 from the Air Force. And uh, uh, most people know that I was uh, in the, a crew member on the B-1 bomber, but also heavily involved in airborne intelligence, collect intelligence surveillance reconnaissance, the targeting process, uh, all the way up to and including decisions made by the President of the United States and, and that entire team. Uh, and, uh Artificial intelligence has been being used quite frequently uh, in those threads. But really, man, we have really taken a leap forward. Let's take a look at this first video, uh, 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 Krista, producer there. I know other guys have called you Peach, Krista, so that might come out. If you'll p play that first video uh, for us about the war robots, I'd appreciate it. Soldiers in Ukraine could be fighting robots on the battlefield soon. Russia's Advanced Research Foundation and the Russian-based Android Technics company have announced the launch of the Marker robot designed to destroy Abrams and Leopard tanks and their crews. On a message posted on Telegram, Dmitry Rogozin, head of the Tsar Wolves Group, said Marker robots with strike versions will be delivered to the air defense zone in February. Rogozin also noted that the markers will be able to automatically detect tanks due to the electronic catalog with images of enemy vehicles. The marker combat modules are also said to be equipped with anti-tank missile systems, which are an effective tool against modern military hardware. The complex robot weighs about three tons and a modular vision system with data processed by neural network algorithms. Now that's uh, we've got more video, I think, of the marker uh, coming up, but uh, uh, that's pretty incredible uh, from the Russian side that's being advertised uh, that uh, they've had some great success with that vehicle. Uh, but I think uh, I think you're right, Alex. I mean, we we are even much further beyond that, aren't we? Well, so things started to take a little bit of a turn after 9/11, and you know, the safety of American citizens from terrorism yeah. became the driving force. And so AI started to, you know, cross those lines. That's when we started talking about, you know, 1984 kind of stuff and, you know, uh, identifying, you know, facial recognition and trying to come up with ways to protect ourselves using these things. But it wasn't until recent years that, you know, the military really started investing a lot of money because they saw that now not only could they, you know, basically schedule maintenance on when things needed to be fixed, but they had the autonomous vehicle systems, the, you know, stuff that DARPA was been working on for years. And, you know, the idea is that, you know, you can put a, you know, a tracked vehicle or a wheeled vehicle um, out there in the world, in the battlefield without a human being, and you can have it armed with some either missiles or machine guns 
or just, you know, surveillance type equipment. And so, you know, Russia is following suit. You know, the, the United States military is doing it. The Russians are doing it. Um, but the problem that both countries have been seeing is they don't have a lot of experience. So that's what that's yeah. where we kind of come to the Ukraine war. OK, uh, I hate to say it this way, but, you know, the Ukraine war has now provided both the United States and Russia, you know, a, a testing ground for you know, experimenting with these new killing machines and uh, getting feedback um, in real time now uh, to advance things. Because, that, you know, when you look at the 80s and the 90s, AI, you know, it, 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 you programmed it to do something. And if it didn't do it right, you you'd figured out what was wrong and you reprogrammed it. But today's AI is self-learning. It's, it's, it's taking in information. It says, okay, I failed at this mission, and why? This is what I got to do next time, and then it becomes better at it. And that's a, that's kind of a, a nice thing when you're talking about, you know, uh, supply chain uh, and commercial business. You know, where did I go wrong with my operations? But when you go into the battlefield, it's now making decisions to do things that are more strategic. And there's no human element. You know, there's been there's been countless examples throughout uh, human history of wars, even, you know, World War II, World War I, where uh, an opposing force, you know, we might even call them, the, you know, the evil side, the Germans, for example, made a human decision, not a strategic decision, but a human decision to not attack or not do something. And, yes. you know, history shows those as being the right choice. But as we go forward, you know, who, what is ethics in AI? You know, there, there's been the discussion of ethics and AI when it came to autonomous vehicles just in on 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 streets in our own country. You know, what is the decision the car is going to make? Hit the old lady or hit the little child? You know, which yeah. one we, those are your two choices. What do you decide? And um, in the battlefield, you know, military is all about strategic. Uh, it's all about victory. Mm. Um, and so, you know, ethics doesn't really play into that role. Especially yeah, 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 Alex. And I think, I think, uh, we are fast approaching a Skynet on the battlefield Terminator type situation to use a movie, but science fiction is, is, is ordinarily a precursor to reality. Uh, let's talk about more about this and see another media video on the Russian marker robots. Uh, uh after the break, we got to pay some bills. Thank you. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. My pillow 2.0. When I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My Pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My Pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of My Pillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a My Pillow or not, you need to get the brand new My Pillow 2.0. Call or go to mypillow.com now. Use your promo code and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com.
Welcome back to the Rob Mana Show, folks, here on Red Voice Media Network. And uh, this is Memorial Day, where we honor our fallen brothers and sisters and their families for the ultimate sacrifice uh, that they've made, uh, not to the government of the United States or for the government of the United States, but for our liberty. That's what the purpose of the government in the United States is supposed to be, to protect our liberty. It's all designed for that one function, and that's why Americans step up and volunteer, and that's unfortunately uh, how we lose them to the ultimate sacrifice sometimes uh, when it's necessary. And uh, uh, we honor them today and pray for their families uh, and uh, uh, also pray that we don't get unnecessarily involved in warfare where more Americans are created that have to be honored uh, on this day. Uh, my guest today is Alex Phillips, uh, uh, who's an author, businessman, and a, really a concerned citizen. And Alex wrote a gr- couple of great articles on artificial intelligence in the military. Uh, and uh, I asked him to be my guest today because More War Mondays is all about preventing American involvement in wars. And, and this really is kind of a Paul Revere moment, uh, Alex. Uh, welcome back uh, from the break. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I mentioned Skynet and the Terminator movie uh, before we went to the break. And, and uh, you know, some people hear that and they go, what, are you nuts? Well, well, no, not really. I mean, what we're talking about is is uh, taking what the military has been, we've been using for decades, really, and developing for decades to do things like targeting, communicating, all separately uh, but now the ability is there to have we've developed machine learning ra- enough uh, and the database capability enough to start bringing those all together so that we create a space called artificial intelligence that can learn on its own once it's started. Do yeah, I have that right? Yeah, and it's and it's it's really quite amazing. You know, yeah, there's a lot of really good potential uh, applications for this that you know we would all be really happy to see implemented but you know it comes down to the war and the military and you know they say that you know the united states is in a proxy war with russia as ai is deployed more and more you know we're now more of an, a proxy war with china in a way uh, because russia has been really kind of was kind of a slow you know, out of the gate when it came to AI. Um, they didn't really start kicking it into gear until like, you know, 2018. Um, and they are spending more and more money now um, on this technology, but they rely on their partners in China. And yeah, we I want to saw... show, uh, I've got another uh, video of the Marker AI powered robot, uh, Krista, if you can uh, play that video real quick uh, as we talk, because we're going to talk about this more in depth here. See the difference. Now you can see in that, at least I see in that, I see a, uh, uh, you know, today's terminology would be like a cloud network that's de- been developed between the command and control, the individual infantrymen, the marker uh, robot, uh, which is the unmanned vehicle you say you, you see there, 
aerial vehicles uh, when you see rounds coming that are being dropped from aircraft, uh, and then other manned vehicles like tanks and those kinds of things. I mean, uh, that's that's artificial intelligence uh, being implemented on the battlefield uh, as real as you can get. I mean, that's a that's a that's an advertising video, so they're say showing everything's great, but that's the that certainly appears to be what we're talking about, doesn't Alex? Yeah, so it's a combination of things. So they, it's really kind of hard to uh, visualize this, but the swarm uh, concept is where you have coordinated efforts of a lot of little things happening at one time. Uh, some of that's on the ground, some of that's in the air, and then being able to identify a target. So, like for example, uh, Ukrainians just recovered uh, a downed uh, Russian drone that was filled with various types of technologies. Uh, those were the, you know the cameras to be able to see things, identify people's faces, uh, identify people by their cell phone, uh, with cell phone technology. Um, and ironically, the technology that they, the way that they found in this came from, came from Western allies, if not the United States itself. But if you take it even further back, all that technology really came from out of China. In most cases, the chips uh, except some of the cases of Japan, Japanese technology being used, but they work together to identify a target. So uh, in the past, uh, sources would provide, you know, let's say the CIA with, hey, there's going to be a convoy and the bad guy you want is going to be in the third truck. And then you would fly a drone and you would see the truck and then you would shoot it. But now they can see your face, they can see your phones, they can identify things. And so you kind of just let the, let the beasts out the, out the gate, out the cage, and they go looking for what they were told to find. And they can do it much quicker, they can make the decisions much faster. And once they're given the go ahead, once you know X, Y, Z criteria are met, execute the command, you know, it's done. Um, yeah. One thing, though, again, the human factor, there's been many cases where there's been a situation where there may have been a, uh, a mitigating circumstance where a target was identified uh, correctly, but there may have been children or there may have been families or there may have been some other, you know, collateral damage that would have occurred that was not worth it um, to make the decision. And I, I think that, you know, when you look at Russia and Ukraine, the way they are fighting with each other so viciously that these kind of criteria won't be considered going forward. The, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a massacre going out there. Who can kill the most people? Um, you, you know, you mentioned some of the articles I wrote. You know, I, I kind of got on YouTube because they show these videos of Ukrainian drones being drop, uh, dropping grenades on Russian soldiers. And I question the newsworthiness of that, you know, more of the sensationalness of that. You know, it's money being made um, in the form of, you know, clicks. Uh, or advertisement, but you know, it's these things are, you know, we're starting to lose touch. Um, you know, if we roll the tape back to, you know, Vietnam, when we started to see these images on the TV on a regular yeah. basis, it really, it really impacted the public's perception of what was going on. We don't have that happening today, except for maybe some YouTube videos that, you know, people have portrayed as being, you know, Russia's losing and Ukraine is winning. Um, but it's a lot of people dying. And, you know, this war uh, that the now we're now adding the AI component to it is going to cause Russia to escalate. Uh, the United States is heavily involved in, you know, with our own technology. 
Uh, we've been we've been, we sort of invested ourselves in this because of our own need to have the information about you know AI in the battlefield for our own use going forward. And so we're we're vested in this, and we want to you know our military is is like the you know it's great again that you know AI can be used for you know the things like when should we schedule maintenance on jets and and trucks and tanks based on you know real time information, but you know when it comes to killing people, you know it's getting really going to be it's going to get really good at it, and we're going to become very detached from that. Um, process, um, yeah. and, and and it will become more like a football game. Well, one of the things that uh, really jumped out at me from your articles, and, and quite well done, by the way, uh, I mean, you don't have a military background, do you, Alex? Uh, I went to military school, so that's about it. <laughs> yeah, so you, you haven't been to, like, the war colleges and all that I have, stuff. I've uh, been to the war college to present information, but that's about it. That's good because the way you wrote this article, uh, uh, lay out uh, you lay out five things, uh, uh, and, and you admit it's speculation, but it's pretty darn good in my experience. Uh, what military grade AI, AI capabilities look like and how they're achieved, how do you think they're they're achievable at this point? Because you, you you're pretty specific about it and. Uh, uh, and I'm interested for the audience to hear it directly from you, what you think. Well, yeah. So, you know, the, the, the key is being able to get real-time information um, and then act on it. Um, and have that information routed and aggregated um, accordingly. Um, you know, there's some stuff that, you know, military officials don't want to see. Um, but, you know, being able to take that information that's relevant, first of all, and that's mm -hmm. the tough part right there is filtering. I mean, there's a ton of information that comes in uh, from all different sources, whether it's your aerial surveillance, whether it's human sources, whether it's, um, you know, uh, special forces, um, and being able to kind of filter it down to those types of things that, that are important at that moment in time. And so that's one of the things that, you know, the I call military spec AI is able to take and really condense it down. Now, that's kind of nice if you're the, the, the general or the commander in charge of making decisions for deployments. But right. the, the next step is that now these machines are taking this information and they're the ones that are learning what's going on. They're the ones that are thinking, well, you know, uh, this happened and we did this and this is the result and it now understands the tactics of the opposing forces in a way that you know in the past you know they'd had to written a book about their military tactics and you had to read it you know right. back in world two and you know now it's real time you know cause and effect type stuff and mm -hmm. so that can help you make decisions on you know again what to do but you can also then throw in specific goals okay so now all this is happening at the same time. You know, if I want this outcome, and this outcome may not be victory, it may be misleading outcome. You know, the you know the military has been in the United States and the UK, they pioneered you know disinformation. You know, how can we trick our opponents? And so you know sometimes not lobbing a, a missile or a shell, um, but making them think you're going to, or making them do something else. 
uh, expend yep. efforts, you know, make a decision that's wrong is sometimes very powerful. And so, you know, these types of things are happening as well um, that uh, can can make the battlefield a victory uh, for your forces um, without even fighting. Yeah, uh, we, we call it in the business deception operations. Uh, you know, when you combine disinformation with operations, uh, to uh, and you see it every day if you follow some of these channels that are uh, on on Twitter or Telegram that are that are you know reporting on the war. Uh, you know, every night almost you see reports from the Ukrainian side of these channels going, "Hey, you know, there's Tu-95 bombers. Four have just taken off from such and such a place. Uh, four have taken off from here. Looks like they're you know the northern groups going to this location. Southern groups going to this location. Missiles will be incoming, uh, and then they'll be reporting on that when the missiles get launched and picked up by radar and those kind of things. But then at the backside of it." you'll see that the Russians have been doing a deception operation and they'll go, Oh, wait a minute. These were all false launches, you know, and the right. targets were really something else. Like, uh, I think the other night they went after the Patriot batteries, uh, uh, that fired 30 rounds, uh, last week, all in one shot. And I think that was part of the operation. Part of the mission objective, uh, was to get the Patriot battery to launch all its missiles, uh, because they're new yeah. to that. And you know what? That's exactly what happened uh, for very little effect, uh, if any at all. Uh, but the, but one of the things I think, I don't think people are, are catching in this conversation, though, Alex, and we'll come back after this break uh, to talk about it, and that is that at some point that general that's making decisions or that infantryman on the ground that's making decisions won't be making the decision anymore. And that's the next level. I think of this in scary part. Let's go to pay some more bills, Kristen. It's a crazy world out there, and we're facing more uncertainty than our country has faced in a long time, if ever. And the most important advice that we can give you and your loved ones is be prepared. Most people don't realize they need something until it's too late. Whether it's a natural disaster, a sustained power outage, political upheaval, or God forbid, war. You need to be prepared. Don't put yourself in that situation. Have food and water on hand to provide for you and your loved ones during the worst of times. And then pray you never need it. Thankfully, we have just the solution for you. Heaven's Harvest has everything you need to prepare for the unexpected. You get prepared and you support a pro-America Christian company that shares your values at the same time. Everyone wins. And the best news is you also get discounts on emergency survival foods, heirloom vegetables, seed kits, water filtration and storage kits, and loads of other survival resources, such as guides on how to grow and preserve your foods. So get ahead, be prepared, and survive with a company that shares your values. And we have you covered with great discounts. Go to HeavensHarvest.com and use promo code RVM to save 10%. Again, that's HeavensHarvest.com and use promo code RVM to save 10% on your order.
Welcome back to the Rob Manus Show here on the Red Voice Media Network. It's Memorial Day, and we honor the fallen all day long. If you've watched any of the shows, uh, you know that. If you haven't been able to watch them, catch them on the backside because we're now broadcasting the day's shows uh, 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 throughout the evening uh, after our uh, official live in-state uh, so we're talking about artificial intelligence use in the military here on more war Mondays, uh, with Alex Phillips, Krista, go ahead and show the first minute and 20 seconds of the hive mind video before we bring Alex back. In. Artificial intelligence and autonomous aircraft are advancing at breakneck speeds. The U S military says the aerial dogfights of tomorrow will no doubt feature combined squadrons of manned and unmanned aircraft. In order to win that future fight, the military partners with private contractors. In the 21st century, that means partnering with software companies as well. Tate Buffington is in business development at one of those companies, Shield AI. We're primarily a software company, so what we're trying to do is climb the aviation food chain. Buffington says that means making the company's AI agent adaptable. Called HiveMind, it was the first autonomous AI pilot ever deployed. We're trying to get that right the, the very first time so that it can go on multiple different platforms. So it can go on different UAVs, different large you know, fighter jets, things of that nature. So as long as we get the autonomy right at the beginning, we can scale that up and down and be you know, somewhat platform agnostic. The HiveMind first mastered flying small quadcopters. Then it started flying VBATs, a vertical takeoff and landing unmanned aerial system. The Marines and Navy like the VBATs because they don't take up a lot of space. They carry all sorts of different sensors and can easily. Well, Alex, welcome back. Uh, you know, that, I mean, that that gets, you know, that that step forward into bringing all that, being able to bring all that information in and then have the. Uh, robots, for want of a better term, be able to act independently and make decisions based on what they learn, what they know, and what they learn as they operate. Uh, I mean, that is that is pretty close. Now, in that video, you saw probably noticed that they talked about uh, manned systems being used in conjunction with the unmanned systems, but I think we're going much further than that, don't you? Well, I think that um, if you look at the F-35 program, uh, I think that was probably one of the steps in that direction of manned systems being integrated with unmanned systems. Um, there's quite a lot of advanced technology on the F-35 that has uh, that gives the, the pilot the ability to sort of control the theater of warfare with a lot of unmanned systems, whether that be drones, um, or you know, interacting with ground uh, forces um, that may have you know mobility, um, and you know they they basically give the F-35 pilot an overview in a way that you know they may have only had in the past inside of an office space back at the Pentagon. Now they've got it inside of a cockpit, a sort of holographic you know view of things, and it allows them to make uh, orchestrated decisions to move forces here and there. Um, you know, F-35 was kind of that direction. But, you know, when you look at countries like um, Ukraine um, and, you know, uh, you know, Russia as well, they, they don't have those types of technologies. And so it makes more sense for them to just, you know, kind of hand it over. And that's where, you know, transparency and oversight sort of disappears in a way. And we sort mm -hmm. of, you know, give it give it over to the to the computer and say, here, 
this is what I want you to do. Please go take care of it for me. And we've always had in the military that those buffers uh, where oversight and decision-making processes, you know, we didn't have to make a decision this second to execute all the time. We always had intelligence that came in for an event that was going to happen in the future and they could evaluate and then make a decision um, and even have stages through that decision process to to pause and not. Um, you know, it's it's a, but as as these smaller countries, you know, leverage the the shortcut of mm-hmm. that computer system, the AI system to to help them give them the edge, so to speak. You know, that oversight and that transparency starts to disappear. And the fog of war is going to take a whole new meaning. You know, it's going to be, you know, well, we misidentified, you know, this uh, daycare center as being, you know, a military stronghold. And it could have been just from a glitch. I mean, come on. How many times has, you know, your computer blue screened or crashed or something? You know, stuff is not perfect. AI is wrong so much, you know, people don't realize it. I had a I had a whole argument with an AI program once, and at the end of the argument, it eventually admitted that it was wrong. And we've seen that on, on the internet, yeah. on Twitter, you know, when you're having debates on, you know, conservative issues like abortion and things like that. You know, sometimes, you know, these, these computer systems are in error. Sometimes they're also compromised. I mean, come on, yeah. <laughs> you know, geez. You know, let's just let's just look at that one for a second. You know, I, well, chat, I chat GPT is uh, chat GPT is left leaning. When you look at that, have yes, you ever looked in, at just in a way it GPT? is. Yeah, in a way it is. Um, it's 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 sort of like a um, it's not it's not specifically left leaning in the sense that, you know, it's been told to be this philosophical, but it has this sort of this inherent uh, concept of being politically correct and. Uh, woke in a way right. uh, on a lot of issues, so that yes, it is left leaning. But you know, I joke around with my friend uh, who works at the FCC about you know Starlink. Starlink has got you know it's going to have like forty three thousand you know what I call uh, VW bug sized um, satellites floating around in right. space, controlled yeah. by a AI program. And so you know these AIs, you know when they they're 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 uh, a complete building filled with computer systems, obviously, but they are what they are. They're computer systems. They can be compromised. They can be hacked. And, you know, until, you know, we kind of foolproof that, which I don't know what that, what the answer is to this, you know, any, any small country that's deciding to let its military be controlled by an AI uh, for decision-making process and get over, give over oversight and, and the transparency, Transparency and decision-making process is is destined for some kind of catastrophe, and it's going to be a bad one. Not going to just yeah, be yeah, it is. I mean, one one of the things that we were very concerned about in the nuclear command and control business uh, the, that I've operated in and out of uh, throughout my Air Force career uh, is uh, over over uh, computerization, over automation uh, of any any part of that process that would remove the human being decision maker out of the process to make the call. You know what I mean? Uh, because in nuclear warfare, you just cannot, you cannot turn over uh, something to, uh, to machines. 
uh, that, uh, you know, you could get a, a power fluctuation and your ones and zeros start dropping out and make the wrong call. And all of a sudden we're in the movie war games. You know, I hate to keep going back to movies, but, uh, you know, science fiction uh, has a habit of pre being a precursor to reality. Uh, and uh, if you watch the movie war games, you could see what happens when uh, uh, when a, a, a artificial intelligence character in that movie takes over the uh, both sides in the nuclear warfare uh, command and control system, uh, it's it's really risky to do that, don't you think? Yeah, an AI arms race is what you're talking about, and and we're we're beyond the places that we were in the '90s where you know men were creating these things. It's now the computers are creating themselves in a way um you know the learning computers they can identify deficiencies um in their own hardware they can define deficiencies in their own logic and make corrective actions or make suggestions for you know newer technology we're we've kind of you know we're, we're on an ever increasing fast track to something that <clears throat> well will be better than us like, you know, AI will be, in some cases, better than man when it comes to uh, the thinking parts. Um, yeah. But it won't be it won't be better than man when it comes to ethics. I don't think I don't know if, if ethics could ever be really programmed into the same way that, you know, human beings have this relationship with um, other people. Yeah, and o over the centuries, you know, uh, from a warfare perspective, we've developed these structures uh, like the law of armed conflict, for instance, uh, 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 and those types of structures that are, uh, I mean, you, I guess you could upload it and teach it that, the rules, so to speak, uh, at least as a, as a foundation, uh, but as uh, conflict moves, everything changes every minute every second really of every day as warfare moves from the, from the present to the future. Uh, and, uh, uh, and to expect something like that to be capable of, of keeping up with that and, and continuously make the right ethical decision uh, based on uh, human law uh, and based on human, uh, human sense of right and wrong. I, I don't, I don't, know that the machine will ever be there no i mean the machines will be good at what they are and, and you know an analogy would be you know a soldier going out to war with a bow and arrow and but coming back with a crossbow and then he goes back out to war again and he comes back with an m16 it just mm -hmm. it's it's going to keep doing that until you know it perfects the ultimate goal of victory um strategically and how it goes about doing that. And it, it's always going to per continually uh, improve upon itself. That's, that's how these learning computers are. And, um, you know, we're still, I mean, we're still at the baby place. You know, you know in the 80s, um, it wasn't even real artificial intelligence. It was just, you know, sophisticated programming. Mm. Um, we are now at a point now where you can have conversations with these computers and, you have the possibility of winning an argument with it, as opposed to, you know, when I was in high school, you know, the science museum had this, um, what they call an artificial intelligence program, but it, it was very, mm -hmm. very,
very restrictive on its capabilities. You couldn't take it right. in any other direction. And you could never win an yeah. argument with it because it was designed that way. It only would right. answer this way all the time, no matter what. Yeah. But now you can have an argument and you can even win the argument if you have a strong argument with these things. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that, you know, they if they can be used for, you know, various things. And I think laws are going to have to be uh, considered. And I got I hate to say this, but our Congress is going to have to get up to speed on this really fast. Um, <laughs> We well, have to deal with this in the civilian world as well as the uh, you know the military world as well. I mean, it's yeah. all it's all kind of a problem. Like I said, though, I'm I'm a very I'm very hopeful about AI technology. I um you know people are worried about it being another you know robot revolution where you know people lose jobs in autom in in the manufacturing industry. But I really do think it's going to enable people to do more. Um, I think it's going to solve a lot of problems for people going forward. But, you know, we can't just go into it blindly, whether it's in the military or the civilian world. We've that's, gotta that's right. That's right, Alex. Uh, and after the break, we'll watch one more video about command and control and artificial intelligence uh, before we let you go, uh, because uh, we can't go into it blindly. Let's go ahead and go to break and pay that last bill, Krista. this one the Air Force has just made an historic flight artificial intelligence involved Ashley tell me about it yeah it is very cool the first military flight with an AI co-pilot the Air Force says the U-2 reconnaissance plane was flown by a human pilot while his AI colleague controlled sensor and navigation systems and by the way was the mission commander who had the final decision authority Wow the team flew a mission during a simulated missile strike. The AI's main job was to find enemy launchers while the human looked for threatening aircraft with both using the plane's radar. Just like R2-D2, really, from Star Wars, but without the beeps and the squeaks. As I say, very cool, Steve. Yeah, and if anybody's going to get that technology, I hope it's us. And it appears to be we're yes. in the lead there. Good stuff. All right. And the Army. Mm -hmm. Now, wait a minute. This is another one for you. The Army's got a new tool to fight the virus. What is it? 
Yep, not quite as high-tech. The U.S. Army will begin issuing camouflage print official combat cloth face coverings to new soldiers next year. Each new recruit will actually get two of these uh, face coverings as part of their clothing bag issue. There they are. Even more of their face is now in camouflage. You just won't see them. <laughs> I think we got it all. Thanks, Ash. Well, you can see how dated that is uh, by, uh, by the mask uh, uh, little ad there at the end of it, uh, Alex. But, uh, uh, but, but we have really come a long way even since then. You know, when we, we talked about ChatGPT earlier and uh, BARD is out now through the Google system, uh, even Tusk, the conservative browser, has uh, an AI called Gipper. Uh, and those kind of things that uh, uh, that are actually thinking they're thinking devices, you know, and learning devices uh, that uh, uh, that yes would be used in that that uh, that reconnaissance aircraft you saw there saw there the TR one or the U two as a lot of people know it uh, a little bit unnerving because the the AI co-pilot uh, is really what I used to do in the back seat of a B one bomber. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, we knew our our job was going to be uh, overcome by technology pretty quickly. Uh, but uh, the thing that actually fly the aircraft too, in addition to connecting to the network. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a 1950s era um, plane, and you know, you mm -hmm. go 20 years in advance, 1970s. The F-16, first fly-by-wire uh, fighter jet, is now being adapted. To become a drone uh, for this, you know, to basically be an autonomous, um, you know, I don't know if they're going to use it as a, a fighter or just a, you know, a fast mover to get into a, a scenario or a situation for surveillance. There's a lot of things that the F-16 can carry um, and under under its wings, but you know, that's that's the same thing. So we're seeing that happen now with the F-16 fighter being adapted uh, to become a drone because it's unusually suited. Uh, for computer control because of its fly-by-wire um, capabilities as being the first one. And, and I guess they, you know, they've got plenty of them. Uh, why build new yeah. ones? I mean, it's got pretty good yeah. range. It's got pretty good. Yeah, uh, we actually developed that to make them targets out over the range in the Gulf of Mexico, uh, south of uh, Eglin Air Force Base uh, and, uh, uh, and Tyndall Air Force Base uh, in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, so we fly them from Tyndall. Uh, from a, a drone airfield from Tyndall, we had actually uh, we had made F-4 fighters into target drones, so so that pilots, real pilots, uh, uh, could go out and practice firing real missiles at real targets. Uh, but the difference is between those and what you're talking about is maneuverability. I mean, we would set them out on a straight course, you know, consistent altitude, airspeed, etc., so the pilots could go out and fire fire their uh, smart missiles at them and everything. Uh, but uh, what we're talking about now, though, is uh, that it's autonomously able to fly like a fighter pilot would fly the F-16 without yeah, the limitations of the human body. Yeah, squadron uh, of F-16s uh, with autonomous um, you know, drone capabilities controlled by an F-35 pilot uh, would be a very formidable force to deal with because yeah they don't have to deal with uh, any of the stresses. I mean the the, the vehicles themselves you know they've got the other G stresses and you don't want to push them past that uh, or they will fail. But you know you can do an awful lot within the stress envelope that would really wreck a human pilot 
um, yeah. physically over time that would make it almost impossible for, you know, uh, a, a MIG pilot to be able to engage um, with it effectively. Um, but, you know, moreover, there is nobody there. So, you know, it's not that it's not as much of a loss. Uh, yeah. You know, when you, you don't have a pilot there. So, but yeah, it's, 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 a, it's very interesting. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, over time, you know, if we start, if we start in the civilian world and really having the public and Congress involved in, in some of the, the needed regulations, you know, just simple stuff like, you know, there is, um, there are issues with uh, the IC right now using uh, AI to uh, be able to monitor uh communications in the u.s without warrants it's very it's very warrantless as a matter of fact but they've skirted under the rate the the radar uh when it comes yeah. to laws because it's not a human being doing it it's a computer doing right. it and i think some of that needs to be addressed um but also you know just when you get phone calls and it sounds like you're talking to somebody but they sound a little nerdy on the phone and really you're talking to a computer even though right. it doesn't it's not quite like the computers from the, you know, the, the calls, the robocalls of the past. It's, it right. sounds very real. Um, they need to be able to identify themselves as an AI. And then, you know, once the public starts to seeing this, I think over time, you know, this will start trickling into the military as an awareness that right now people just aren't aware of. Yeah, I think you'll see, uh, I think you're right in your articles. You, you mentioned that you, that the military will probably be the cutting edge and the leading edge of the most robust AI implementation before even the civilian world. And, uh, uh, and I think you're right on that. Alex, thank you so much for joining us today to do this show and honor the fallen uh, with, uh, with this forward-leaning look uh, at uh, what we need to be thinking about uh, when it comes and doing when it comes to artificial intelligence on, on the battlefield and uh, in the military. Uh, where can people find you uh, so that they can go read these fantastic articles and all the other work you're doing? You're doing some great work. I've been doing a lot of reading on your Substack, uh, but uh, where else can they find you? Oh, well, I'm on Twitter. I, I haven't gone anywhere else but Twitter these days. Um, <laughs> and I'm, you know, Alex Phil 65 and, uh, you know, I'm Alexander's Posts. Dot substack com. That's where I am now, um, and I just, like I said, I think about stuff and I write about it. And I'm getting ready to finish up an article today about what's going on in Cuba with Russia, and I think we're getting ready to run into another, you know, 1970s Cuban Missile Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. Uh, that's one of the risks that we took by getting overly involved in this proxy war against Russia. Uh, well, thank you, Alex. I appreciate it. God bless you. And keep up the great work. Uh, I'm certainly a fan and a follower. And uh, uh, your work's important for every citizen to to find out about these issues. Well, my pleasure. And thank you so much for having me on. Well, thank you. Uh, and folks, you know, this is uh, Memorial Day. We honor the fallen here. We're going to end the show in a way that we don't ordinarily end the show. Uh, but remember, we are Americans. Peace is our aspiration, as President Reagan is going to tell you in this speech. Uh, we'll negotiate for it. We'll sacrifice for it. But we're never going to surrender for it. Here's President Reagan's Memorial Day speech. And next up is Drew Berquist and his gang uh, uh, for This Is My Show and Booze and Banner afterwards. I'm Rob Manus on the Red Voice Media Network. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, 
It was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. Each one of those markers is a monument to the kind of hero I spoke of earlier. Their lives ended in places called Bellow Wood, the Argonne, Omaha Beach, Salerno, and halfway around the world on Guadalcanal, Tarawa, Porkchop Hill, the Chosin Reservoir, and in a hundred rice paddies and jungles of a place called Vietnam. Under one such marker lies a young man, Martin Treptow, who left his job in a small town barber shop in 1917 to go to France with the famed Rainbow Division. There on the Western Front, he was killed trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. We're told that on his body was found a diary. On the flyleaf, under the heading, My Pledge, he had written these words. America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. We must realize that no arsenal or no weapon in the arsenals of the world is so formidable as the will and moral courage of free men and women. It is a weapon our adversaries in today's world do not have. It is a weapon that we as Americans do have. Let that be understood by those who practice terrorism and prey upon their neighbors. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans.